0: Pop in the lid on all things real estate with Tina Miller Light and Sherry anheuser Bush. Your place to pop in and learn all about the home buying and selling process in a fun and lighthearted manner. Happy Thirsty Thursday. It's Tina Miller Light and Sherry anheuser Bush, And we've got a great show for you today. We've got a special guest on today that I'm very excited about.
1: Yes, today we will be unlocking the secrets of real estate with top broker, John Shamshowen of Realty Concepts. We will be talking about past markets, current trends, and why now is the perfect time to make your move in the real estate world.
0: So John, we want to thank you for being our very first guest on our podcast.
2: You're welcome. I'm honored.
0: Um, Well, we're happy that you're here. So we're going to start off with what led you to become a real estate broker, and how did you get started in the industry?
2: You know, I went to school to, uh, I actually wanted to be a high school football Mm -hmm. coach. So I went to Fresno State, and I was a history major and a geography major and a P.E. minor. But by the time I uh, graduated, I realized I didn't want to teach uh, anymore. So so then I thought I was going to buy into a, our family clothing business. Two years later, that door closed. So here I am two years out of school, not knowing uh, where my next step should uh, uh where my direction, my next direction would go. And the only thing I knew about real estate was that if you were good, which to me meant if you were honest and you worked hard, there was a lot of money to be made and that intrigued me. And so I uh, went and got my real estate license. I knew zero about real estate. I had heard the word escrow before, but I didn't really know what it meant. Uh, So I really started at zero, but I asked hundreds of questions. Uh, I learned by doing, you know, I made mistakes, but they were all honest mistakes and I learned from each mistake. So that's what intrigued me really was the upside uh, for income. Then, uh, so that was 1978. So oh,
1: and what broker did you start with?
2: A, a company named Rana Mead, John Rana and Skin Mead. And to this day, we're still friends. We rarely see each other, but I still think fondly of them. Then in 1991, I decided that it was time to move my career in a different direction, and I wanted to start my own company. And so in February of 1991, I started a company uh, named Realty Concepts. And my vision back then was to have a company similar to and Mead, 40, 45 associates, close-knit family kind of company. And so from the very beginning, uh, as soon as we opened, I saw that a lot of my friends, a lot of really good realtors, wanted to be a part of the company. So, Although at, from day, at, at day one, I was concerned, am I really gonna be able to have 45 associates? But it, quite early on, I saw that, uh, that I was, and then some. So I, be, I was able to be very, very selective on the type of professional uh, that I would bring into the company. So I uh, decided that I could be very choosy. And I looked for two traits in my associates, Uh, professionalism with my brief definition being to have the natural ability to put your client's needs ahead of your own, and work ethic. I wanted self-motivated people that took pride in the output of what they do. And so if somebody, I felt if somebody had those traits, then we'd bring them in. And if they didn't, uh, then I would not bring them in and so here's this new company this had never happened before at least in the central valley that would tell experienced agents no they they couldn't be a part of the company and that just sent our reputation through the ozone layer you know uh the the uh, i was doing that i was being selective for selfish reasons but what i didn't realize was that uh our reputation became if you work for Realty Concepts you have to be good because they take only the best and it just slowly but surely uh, that the number 45 did not work because it's very expensive to run a quality real estate company so we grew, grew it over time uh, I grew it to about 90 associates and uh, that's when I <clears throat> Handed the baton off to my son, and that was, uh, I believe, in 2014. And now he's built the company to about 300 associates, but he still was able to maintain the quality. He was still able to maintain the uh, the feeling of it being a special place, the feeling of family, the feeling that we're in life together. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of him for that.
1: Yeah, it's a... The vibe here at Realty Concepts is definitely the family. It's a family company, and that's something that rings through every day and every event and every meeting. Um, you really have a sense of, you know, we're all together and watching out for each other, and and um, it's 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 a good feeling.
2: Thank you, Tina. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the. I'm proud of that feeling that you're uh, and thankful too of that feeling that you're referring to. Yeah, absolutely.
0: When I started, I was fortunate enough, I came on in 2015, so after you had already turned over the reins, and I remember I went and I interviewed at several different places, and somebody said, oh, Realty Concepts, and I said, no, they're not hiring. But I took a shot and I called, and I got lucky because Well, I shouldn't say lucky because JP was sick, but I was fortunate enough to meet with John that day. And I'll never forget that day sitting there and I was so nervous and John put me so much at ease. We did not talk real estate. We just talked about life. And then he said, honey, I want you on our team. And I'm like, but we haven't even talked about real estate. And he said, that's okay because I've gotten to know you and your integrity. And I can teach you real estate, but I can't teach you what you've got on the inside. And that so impressed me. And I've been so incredibly proud to be able to say that this is a company that I work for. I have that integrity and that family owned business where everybody just cares so much about each other. This is is who backs me. I'm so thrilled to be a part of this for the last eight years.
2: By the way, that, that honor was mine, my dear, when we were meeting, so. Oh, Yeah, I remember sweet. that, I remember that day.
0: Uh, yeah, he hugged, we, we hugged it out and I walked away and I was like, what just happened? Did I just get a job? And we didn't even talk about the job? Is this how real estate works?
2: How's that for different?
1: I, it was different. It was
0: the absolute best decision I've ever made in my life.
1: Yep, I, I can say a lot of agents feel the same way.
2: The so, feeling is mutual, my dears. Thank you, John.
0: Thank you, John.
1: Well, John, um, tell us, how have you seen the real estate market change over the years? So
0: you've been in it.
2: So I've been in it since 1978. In uh, 78, really, the, uh, it was until the early 1990s, really, when Fresno was just a very insular market. Uh, nobody moved to Fresno not very many people moved out either. You know, we, it was just kind of a self-contained market, uh, very mediocre, nothing very exciting. Prices didn't move very much. Although when I think about it in, uh, 1980 through 82, when interest rates went up to 18 and a half percent, prices did drop pretty well. But other than that exception, Uh, And once they came back to the norm, everything was pretty steady. Then it seemed in the early 1990s, Fresno was somewhat discovered by the rest of the state. And we started, uh, our market became more important. Uh, uh, People started to move to the Central Valley. And uh, the the market picked up a bit then. And then in the early 2000s, Uh, That's when Fresno really arrived, prices were shooting up, Uh, the the state home ownership became very expensive uh, throughout all the metropolitan, metropolitan areas of the state. And so all of a sudden the affordability of the Central Valley, Fresno, Clovis, and the surrounding areas became very attractive. And we started to get people moving in, uh, not only from the major metropolitan areas, but from the central coast also. People who wanted to own homes knew that we were affordable and they could uh, uh, accomplish the American dream by moving to Fresno. So the market really took off then. I I see it today that uh, we are a major player uh, in the state of California, people are very aware of the quality of life that uh, the Central Valley offers and, uh, and it's been quite attractive, so. Oh, yeah, we see yeah. it a
1: lot with uh, people calling investors or just people doing that, you know, making a move, relocating, buying um, homes to work out of and they're moving from the Central Coast or Southern California or San Francisco area and they're moving here because it is more affordable.
2: It's going to be, uh, only grow over the course of time because as people become more mobile in their working uh, place, uh, the uh, uh, they're going to they're going to want the affordability that the Central Valley has to offer. Oh yeah,
1: and they can they can move here and buy a home um, that's much more affordable than you know where they came from in other areas of the state.
0: So a lot of that during COVID. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. A $400,000 home here is an $800,000 home somewhere else in this state. Yep.
0: That's yes. so crazy. There could be such a difference within the same state. It's yeah. just mind boggling to me. So John, what are some of the the trends that you're seeing in our current market?
2: Uh, trends, the, um, I think we're much more, uh, tuned into the uh, technology of the market today. Uh, when, when I started in the business, well, I mean, I, I've been doing this so long. When I started in the business, if you needed to talk to somebody, you stayed at your desk until they called you on your landline. There, was, uh, there weren't cell phones back then. And then the pager kind of uh, be, was the beginning of giving us freedom. So rather than sitting by the phone... Uh, you could actually go about your day and uh, the staff would page you when that person called. So that was the beginning of freedom, but the, the uh, everything is information is uh, distributed uh, much more widely. Now the public has access to uh, uh, certain information. Uh, the public doesn't have access to our knowledge though. So uh, I think that is something uh, that is very, very important for our future is uh, not only our knowledge of the, of what it is that we're selling, uh, but also the, the uh, uh, certain things like problem solving, negotiating, uh, You know, people think, well, maybe someday uh, artificial intelligence, excuse me, might might, uh, be a real challenge. And it's like, well, artificial intelligence already is a a challenge. But I I believe that because real estate is almost always the single largest financial commitment that uh, people make in their lives, that it's always going to require the human element uh, to to uh, uh, negotiate sales and most importantly, to navigate those sales, uh, deal with the problem solving and, and uh, all of that. So it's a much faster uh, information moves much, much faster today than in the early days of my career. Uh, but that's actually, I think a good thing. You know, the, the uh, uh, I embrace technology. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, we can do just about anything on our phones now as far as, you know, getting the information to our clients. Um, but you're right. We Our knowledge cannot be replaced by any kind of app or technology. Um, and that's why, you know, our clients come to us because we offer that insight on everything and knowledge you and know, guidance. Gina, if,
2: if, uh, and that's why at Realty Concepts, we, we expect a commitment out of our associates because we know that yeah uh, unless we're knowledgeable, unless we're professional, uh, we w- why use us? you know so so we have high expectations of our associates, but there's a reason for that. The public deserves that. The public requires that. Uh, these are big transactions so so they should have a highly qualified knowledgeable, Professionals representing them when they buy and sell.
1: Yeah, and that kind of goes into our next question. What are some of the qualities that you um, would like brokers to have in order to, um, you know, someone that's looking for a broker to work under? What are some of those qualities that they should be looking for?
2: That's a good question. You know, the the uh, my son John Paul J P, and I kind of look at things different. I believe than, than other brokers, the uh, uh, well, being we're talking the uh, I think other brokers focus so much of their time on recruiting. They just want to keep building, building, building. Uh, and all the all the time that they spend on recruiting, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they're not spending on their associates. So the way JP and I look at it is, we work for our associates our associates work with the public, our associates represent the public, but my son and I represent our associates. So so uh, through our lens, we're serving our associates needs and our associates are serving the public's needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We get a lot of that <coughs> too through the the management. So whenever we go into a transaction, whenever we, develop a new relationship with a client, we always let them know, we come with a team. We have management to back us up if we have any questions ourselves, because you know every transaction is different and it's nearly impossible to know everything that you need to know. So that's why, as an associate, we really rely on our broker and our management team to help us and identify those the answers to the questions that That, we don't know
2: that's very humble of you thank you for saying that but i will say for anybody that's listening that these two realtors uh uh, sherry and Tina, really know their stuff you're you're both very very good at what you do thank
0: thank you you. (laughs) and that's going to come from some of the amazing training in my opinion i feel like we have some of the best training available to agents and our marketing department and the tools and the resources that you continue to provide for us and I think if I'm speaking to new agents or agents that are looking to move I would hope that people would know the difference between cost and value because you can go somewhere else right and they can offer you a higher split or a smaller cap they can offer you the moon and the stars But you have to think about the value that you're getting. Just because something seems like it's a great deal, what is the actual value to it? I can tell you the value in my company right off the bat. I know what Realty Concepts is providing to me. I know that they're always gonna have my back. I know that when I go on a listing appointment and I say, I'm from Realty Concepts, they know exactly who I am or who our broker is, and they say, wow, I am so glad because I know exactly who John Shamshoyan is, and I know the integrity, and that's who I want to be with. And so for me, to have realty concepts, I know I just said this like a few minutes ago, but I'm very passionate about where I work, and I can't imagine going somewhere else, because what am I sacrificing? Am I gonna make more money? Maybe, but what am I sacrificing? I'm getting way much, like, Way more here than I would be going somewhere else. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent.
2: But I'm very passionate about okay, this subject. They, uh, well, thank you, my dear. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: So let's talk about the home buyers right now. What what kind of questions we have for John in regards to someone that wants to get into the real estate market right now? So
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of fear with buyers right now. Oh, it's not a good time to buy. The interest rates are high. And I know, John, you've, you've been in the industry a long time. You've seen it all. I mean, kind of what would you tell buyers right now?
2: That's a great question. You know, the, um, as you asked that question, my initial reaction was, well, buyers have always had fear, you know, going back. To my very first day, the uh, uh, buying my first home, I had fear. I had concern.
1: And what was your rate at that time? Uh, you said eighteen percent uh, at one point. Probably
2: my first home was at ten, ten and a half percent. The 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 uh, again in my career they peaked at eighteen and a half percent, and I think if anybody looks up whatever the uh, minimum wage was in 82 i bet it started with a three i bet it was like three dollars and fifty cents or something like that and 18 uh and a half percent interest rate so you know i mean today is uh uh today is like full speed ahead as far as i'm concerned the um so there's always been that concern uh uh, am i going to be able to afford this and Typically, if not always, uh, I, I won't say always only because I would imagine there is a rare exception, but after you make that first payment and you realize that you can do it, then that, that concern goes away. Uh, I've, I've lived that myself, so I, I know those feelings uh, firsthand. I would look at, uh, the most important to me uh, thing to me is, what's, my, what's it going to cost me per month? Right. So look no, at the mortgage. Right. I side I, of the first. Uh, I would not advise looking at interest rates because those are relative. As interest rates go up and down, the the uh, uh, I would look at can I afford the payment and and financing is uh, you know there's a lot of uh, uh, ratios that you have to qualify for. So if you qualify for a payment. You can make that payment; otherwise, you wouldn't you wouldn't be getting the loan, at least on a in conforming financing. So, and I would suggest conforming financing, except for rare occasions, on possibly some type of investment uh, type loan. So, we're talking owner-occupied conforming financing. But if you couldn't make the payment, you wouldn't be getting the loan in the first place. So, I would suggest you look at the monthly payment. Uh, not the interest rate, because the interest rates eventually are going to drop again, at which point you just go out and refinance, typically at no charge or very little charge. And then you have the benefit of already owning your home. And I've got news for you. When interest rates drop again, prices are going to explode. Uh, If people think they're high now, trust me, at least based on 45 years, uh, in my, in my uh, uh, career, uh, they're just gonna keep going higher over the course of time. The, uh, so, and especially when rates drop again. So right now, I hope I'm still focused on the question, right now uh, it's still competitive to, to go out and buy a home, but at least the buying public has the opportunity to buy homes right now once those rates drop it's going to get crazy again multiple so,
1: offers you think and w- yeah we were seeing before oh i'm no. already seeing yeah. multiple yeah. offers well, it's, yes
2: it, no doubt it's going to be a frenzy and then uh so if you're on the sideline thinking well i'm going to wait these interest rates out don't do it uh terrible mistake because when those rates do drop, you're not going to be able to buy a home because you're going to be beaten out by wild and crazy offers uh, and you're going to be locked out. You get the home now and as Sherry said, there's still multiple offers going on. If a property's priced aggressively now, they're going to get multiple offers today. Mm -hmm. So, So with saying that though, you get it now while some other buyers are staying on the sideline waiting for those rates to drop because when they do do drop everybody's going to be back in and you're not going to be able to buy a home
1: john what um what are some of the common pitfalls that we see buyers make when putting an offer in um, on a home and how can they avoid making these mistakes that's another really
2: good question you know, the the uh, buyers need to under, understand that there's two sides to a transaction. So buyers generally are looking through the, le, uh, the lens of the transaction through their eyes, through the buyer's eyes, but they need to understand there's another lens and that's the seller. So uh, I would suggest when you're writing an offer to, uh, and I understand, you want to get the best value you can. Uh, so do I. So does everybody. That's human. But to to take it to an advanced state, you also have to uh, uh, think that on the receiving end of your offer, there's a seller looking at it through their lens. So I would suggest uh, know what's important to you and stay focused on what's important to you but be willing to give as well. So take what is important to you, whatever that is. Location, condition, landscape, pool, uh, school, but give where you can. Length of the escrow, uh, occupancy after close of escrow. Uh, Don't ask for a lot of uh, closing costs. And again, this depends on the market very you know I think two months ago you could have asked for closing costs and maybe uh, uh, you can still today uh, but that's how fast these markets change Jerry said and there are there's multiple offers going on now depending on how aggressively a property is priced so so uh, just know that there's f- four eyes two eyes on the buyer's side and two eyes on the seller's side So ask for what is important to you, but be willing to give uh, in certain areas that are less important to you. Yeah,
1: that's some really great advice for our buyers out there that have been on the fence and are thinking about it.
2: Uh, So
0: going back to what he just said about the multiple offers, I'm in that situation right now. I have a buyer. We wrote an offer on a property. There were three offers. We had a cash offer. That was lower than our offer. We had a conventional offer that was a couple thousand dollars higher than offer. We're an FHA buyer kind of sitting in the center and we, we wrote our offer was 10,000 over ask. The next highest asker, um, offer was 12,000. We wrote in um, $5,000 appraisal gap so we'll pay the difference of $5,000 over the appraised amount up to purchase price. We gave the seller a week in possession that she could stay after close of escrow, and we got our offer accepted. So, I mean, it, it is starting to be like that again. Really
2: good, and, and, I, and I'm feeling that just in the last couple of weeks. Great work, by the way. Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations to your buyer. But that's what I'm saying. When these rates drop, that 10000 did you say 10000 10000 over, yeah. That $10,000 appraisal gap is mm-hmm. going to be a $50,000 appraisal gap. For the exact same home. That is exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Do you think when those rates start dropping, more sellers are going to put their homes on the market?
2: Another great cra- Boy, you, you know, you ladies are good on your question. We're bringing our yeah, game. Yeah. We're yeah. on our A game today, Here. John.
0: We knew you were coming. That puts a smile on my face. I'm See, glad. You're, uh,
2: you're bringing your game all right. The, uh, yes. You taught me right, John. Thank you. And the, uh, yes, I do. I think uh, uh, that will bring more uh, homes on the market because uh, I, I do think that there's a segment of the uh, homeowners that are sitting on those low interest rates. They have a rate of uh, uh, 3%, 4% and they're, they're, they're sitting on those rates. Waiting for the rates to drop back down again before they make their move. So, it's interesting. Again, over forty-five years, I've seen a lot, a lot of cycles. The the uh, so so yes, uh, the the uh, no doubt in my mind we'll see more inventory come out uh, when the rates drop again because those people that are sitting on homes only because of the interest rate they have uh, uh, for sure will be putting their properties on the market but I think even more so uh, there'll be more buyers coming back into the market when the rates drop than there are sellers putting their homes on the market.
0: Okay we have one final question for you and then we'll cut you loose for the day. How can buyers assess the value of a property determine whether it's going to be a good investment for them?
2: Okay, the um, I would ask your realtor, I would go to Tina, or I'd go to Sherry, or I'd go to whoever your realtor is, and ask them to do a, a, a comparative market analysis, uh, otherwise known, the slang is comps, you know, asking to run comps for you. And that'll tell you uh, what the neighborhood has been selling for. You want to be careful, you want to read into those comps, uh, the remarks and all that, because uh, two homes can be the same floor plan, let's say, but one can be uh, beautifully updated and one can be not beautifully updated. So you know that has a that has something to do with uh, actual market value. So read into the remarks and all that. Also, you have to take into consideration what the market is doing at the time that you are buying. But uh, uh, that's the best way uh, is to uh, look at the comparable sales. Uh, But there's other things involved. We're not talking, for a homeowner, I would suggest it's not about the investment. It's about the pride of ownership. Uh, we, We spend at least a third of our time more than a third of our time, we spend half of our time in our homes, and uh, so, yes, over the course of time, I mean, when I started in real estate, the median sales price was whatever it was, fifty thousand dollars. What? Oh yeah, no, no. The I was the king of the thirty thousand dollar sales, home sales. I yeah. I think I sold more thirty, thirty-five thousand dollar homes than anybody in the world, but the. The uh, that was probably where the median was back in the late '70s, early '80s, fifty thousand dollars. So over the course of time, property values have always gone up. So it's all it's definitely a good investment, even when you're buying and prices fall. Over the t- course of time, they're going to go even higher. It's it's been proven. The uh, uh, go, go are you kidding? Go back. Just, there's charts going back all the way back uh, to the beginning of the 1900, I would imagine. Uh, think back what prices were going for in the 1940s and the 1950s. The, uh, uh, they've always gone up over the course of time, but this should not be looked at like an investment. This is your home. The, uh, and I would say, be wise Uh, don't go beyond your means, but don't be afraid to go up to your means. Because if you're happy with your home, uh, you're going to stay in that home longer. If you compromise in order to save a few hundred dollars a month, let's say, that otherwise uh, you could have afforded. But there are things about that home that you're not in happy with, you're not going to stay in it as long. The, uh, uh, remember this too, you know, you're looking at 200, 300 more, well, you're going to be saving that in your tax write-off. You get to write off uh, the interest on your loan and the uh, property tax on your loan, so keep that in mind. It's not the gross payment. Uh, uh, at the end of the, the year, whatever based on whatever percent your tax bracket is, state and federal, uh, you're getting a big chunk of that payment back uh, in the form of a tax refund. So so uh, that's what I'd say. the the um, Follow your heart. Typically, I know this. When you find the right home, you know it's the right home. So when you know it's the right home, don't be afraid. Jump. Go out and make it happen.
0: Right. And I always say that the best time to buy is when you can afford to buy.
1: That's right. All oh, such great, points and home ownership is one of the best investments you can make both financially and for yourself Uh, just having a place to call home
2: Mm -hmm. so it's a great feeling yes
0: john do you have any anything else to add
2: just that I'm proud of you both. I get to sit across from two of my friends, and Aww, yeah. I've got to watch you grow in your careers. I'm very thankful for you, very grateful. I'm very proud of you. So, thank you. This Thanks. this has been this has been fun. If uh, if you ever want to bring the old man out again, feel free, and and I'll be happy to do it
1: i always have a hat for you
2: john <laughs> thank you well will it have a miller and a, a, bush, a bush, bush on yes. it okay it'll Great. have
0: it'll have whatever so five, you five want in it
2: five o'clock somewhere that's
1: right
0: so i think people might be confused by that who are listening and uh, when john came in we put one of those beer helmets on him where you stick the beer cans in the sides and it's got the straws in it and it had miller in it and a light in it i'm sorry miller and a bush and, and so, I walked
2: in and I thought, oh, this is going to be fun.
0: Well, <laughs> Tina and I are known for some yeah. fun.
2: And uh, it, it was fun, too. I, thank you very well, much. Well, thank you we're, for yeah. coming.
0: We're, we're glad that, that you came. Um, we appreciate it. And I want to take a quick second to remind everybody about our first annual Spread the Love event. It's our peanut butter and jelly fundraiser, which, by the way, John Shamshoin was kind enough to bring in several jars of peanut butter and jelly to benefit the Pavarello House. So thank you so much. We'll be taking donations through Sunday, April 2nd. You can drop them off at either location at 565 Pulaski Avenue or 575 East Alluvial Avenue. It's in All day Sunday, you can drop off donations at Sequoia Brewing Company at Champlain and Perrin. And they're kind enough to be doing peanut butter stout beer and then a peanut butter and jelly flavored martini. It's pretty good. So feel free to pop in. Tina and I will be there for part of the day, taking donations and look forward to meeting all of our neighbors. That's
1: right. Thank you, everyone. Yep,
0: we will see you next week.
1: Peace, love, and real estate.